Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, what I kind of want to talk about today's podcast was a continuation off of last week's where we ended the conversation talking about the sacraments and their importance. I do want to dive back into that a little bit. But one of the things that we ended up on was talking about mortal sins. And I know that when you say the word mortal, it seems really, really big and scary. And then you even got into the point last week where if you have a mortal sin, you shouldn't be going to get communion. And then I thought about it. It's like I went to confession to confess some of these things that were mortal sins. I didn't even know they were mortal sins at the time. But no one told me not to go to communion under them. So I wanted to kind of pick up the conversation from there and and kind of continue uh, continue down that path. Okay. And and what in what in particular should we uh, get into well, with that? That's kind of the overview for the cast. So so kind of thinking that you went through the list of how and as we talked about in some of the prior casts all those sexual things were problems with me growing up and how I went to communion and how you referenced that I believe you said was St. Paul said you have to be able to have discernment in that so I guess I want to take it back to, to the basics and go not having discernment does that just double down on making it worse because you also use the analogy of if you get into a big fight that coming together with your wife just makes it worse and obviously I you know I don't think that we're in a spot where we want to be doing that um, in terms of what Jesus so that's kind of the the starting direction that I wanted to build up off of good well thanks for reiterating that that point I think it's important to try and make some connection with our real experience otherwise it seems like sort of arbitrary rules that people just made up and then get applied to us to restrict our freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so understanding the relational dimension of that, that a mortal sin is something that really damages my relationship with God. Like adultery damages a marital relationship. It really damages it. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. And if one thinks that one can just come together with a, with a spouse after committing adultery and that's going to make things better, then they're off the rocker, mm-hmm. right? So understanding those relational aspects is, is really crucial. And we might ask further questions, well, why do these mortal sins damage our relationship with God so much? Well, we can get into those dimensions about what our relationship with God consists of and how he's taught us and formed us. But if we can at least start with the understanding, well, th- these are serious things that do damage our relationship with God, then we need to be able to reconcile with him. We need to be able to come back to a place that... As we know, God forgives, but we also need to be able to receive that forgiveness, and we do that by also expressing our sorrow, our repentance for the things that we've done. And the the church provides this beautiful sacrament of confession, of reconciliation, so that we can reconcile with God when we've done these kinds of things. And so uh, the church just says flat out, in order to reconcile with God after mortal sins, you got to go to confession. So that's the, the necessary piece to it. Uh, and that's, that's going to solidify, that makes a, an acknowledgement before the church, 
represented by the priest mm-hmm. that what I've done I know is, is bad and I want to receive God's mercy and grace and I want to be healed from that and, and come back into communion with him and then I can resume coming into communion with him in the sacrament of the Eucharist and so uh, reconciliation is that pathway to uh, restore our relationship with God yes and that that makes a lot of sense you know like going through the necessary steps um, thankfully never committed adultery or anything like that so don't really know how those steps go but but it certainly seems like at some point you're gonna have to be able to come together and make up as a couple before you you know continue down your marital's so one of the things that going through the last cast now editing it has come to me with is how much the rest of society downplays the mortal sins and what they are and kind of how you know when when I've always heard the mortal sin I thought of you know mortal means the end like dying like you're capable of dying I thought it was like murder and that was about it you know burning down someone's house and stuff like that I didn't realize how much more encompassing the category of mortal sin is and and really how easily it, it's penetrated into life without even knowing how serious the risk was or the problem was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, mortal refers to the death of the soul or the death of charity in the soul. So it's the death of the life of God in us. Uh, again, that's all a little a little bit more extreme than... Uh, but basically what happens is you know, when you were born, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, there's a life that began, mm-hmm. a mortal life that's going to die. Yeah. That life is going to come to an end. It has an end point. Um, but at baptism, there's another life that began in you, which is the life of God, our relationship with Him. And that life has no end. So that life is going to, uh, it can continue to grow our relationship with God. Now, I should say another thing to clarify. The, at, at conception, we also received a soul, mm-hmm. a soul which will never die. Our bodies will die, and our souls will continue and eventually be united with a new body, a resurrected body. And that's either going to be a body that rejoices forever in glory in the resurrection or that suffers eternally in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, uh, but our soul continues to live on. So... Uh, there's the there's the there's our uh, human soul which is which does last forever, and then there's the life of God in us through baptism, which also lasts forever until unless we kill it, mm-hmm. and we can kill it through mortal sin. So that's that's basically what's happening there. Now the power of of confession revives that mortal uh, that that life of God from baptism. Can, can bring that back and restore that. So I've used a lot of abstract concepts and mm-hmm. you know different different ideas in that. But just to understand, you know, there's a, there's some different things going on in us that we can be more or less aware of, and it's, it's worth being aware of. Um, so the mortal part is is the death of charity, the death of of God's life and the, uh, in our soul, extinguishing. The, the baptismal candle, we might say. Mm-hmm. It's another nice image. When we were baptized, we received a candle, and we were instructed, keep the light of uh, Christ burning brightly. 
so that when the bridegroom comes to meet us, we will be able to meet him with, with lamps lit, like the gospel parable teaches us. So a mortal sin is blowing out that light of Christ in our souls. So it's a, uh, again, these are a number of images just to try and get our hands around what's, what's going on. And then, on the one hand, we ought to say, well, so this is very serious, and uh, we're acknowledging that. I'm trying to give some images to illustrate that. This is a very serious thing. And as you said, you might immediately think of serious crimes, you know, murder, mm -hmm. things that seem very distant from us. I, hopefully nobody's tempted to, to murder. Um, but then we can start to see some other ways that, that uh, we can get closer to these mortal sins than we realize. Now, on the other hand, we shouldn't have the fear that I can, like, accidentally fall into mortal sin. By definition, you can't accidentally fall into mortal sin. It requires full intent. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess where I was coming from was that the society around us is lowering that bar of thinking about jumping in into those types of arenas just more and more so where my question comes out of that knowing that the society around us is bringing us down is why don't we as a church kind of bring up mortal sin more often we say sin a lot you know and it to a certain degree I don't know if watered down is, is the right word but we say it all the time and think of it as you know I go and I sped down the road because I was late for an appointment. It technically um, breaking the law so therefore that's not good Then put anyone in danger but nonetheless technically I did and I think that in the church world we, we think that at least this is how my mind works is that you're not going to go to jail for that but there are a whole set of crimes in society that you will go to jail for and that's how my mind always was before, like I said, the, the prior cast was about mortal sin and regular sin, not really realizing that in the realm of sin, how much easier it is to go to the things that would put you in the proverbial jail versus you went an extra 10 miles down the road. So I guess that that's where I'm trying to get at there. Yeah, and, and again, uh, I think one of the reasons that the, the church has downplayed uh, this, you know, mortal and venial sin, and it's, we, you know, we often, since Vatican II, but anyway, around that time was that there was such a heavy emphasis on, on like, you know, this is mortal, that's mortal, this is mortal, that's mortal, this is mortal, and it's like people start to get freaked out that you can't do anything everybody's like getting plunged into mortal sin all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> and and that's not a healthy notion either sure. uh, because again now let me make one more distinction that mortal sin is something that's seriously wrong we call that grave matter mm -hmm. the word grave means serious in Latin grave uh, so grave matter and then it also requires full knowledge and full intent. And so what you can also have is something that's grave matter, but the person didn't know it was a sin. 
And that happens with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about birth control, for example. A lot of people were misled about that. You know, they asked their priest, and their priest said, oh, it's not a big deal. And so they went on their merry way, mm-hmm. maybe committing. You know, it's actually grave matter. But they didn't know that it was grave matter, and so it's not a mortal sin for them. There's a what we call a reduced culpability. They're not guilty for a mortal sin, even though they're committing something that's grave matter. Now, that doesn't mean that we should leave them in ignorance. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, well, good, they don't know any better, so let them keep... Uh, because it's still because it's grave matter, it's still having a bad effect. We've talked a little bit about birth control before. You know, I mean, even at a physical level, birth control pills are a level four carcinogen. I mean, it's, it's physically destroying someone's body and exposing them to uh, cancer, uh, among a, ca- a host of other things. But it also destroys, it diminishes the bonds of relationships and uh, a number of things like that. Yeah, so we don't right. want to leave. I was actually thinking about that today. Um, in America, the, the biggest um, breast cancer research company um, gives 25% of their money to Planned Parenthood, who aside from abortions, gives people the cancerous pills that give people breast cancer. So on a super evil business plan model, they're making sure that they will always have more people down the road to fund them. And that is just pure evil. And on a side note, why I think that nonprofits should not be allowed to give money to other nonprofits, but that's a complete different um, topic than right now. But as a, <laughs> that, that's something I just don't understand. But that's a digression. Um, I just wanted to throw out there, since literally I was thinking of it today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's an example of you know somebody uh, and and a lot of people maybe people listening to us are in that situation like, oh my gosh, I've been using birth control for twenty years in marriage in in marital intimacy and never had any idea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but we don't want to leave people there because it is damaging for them. And another thing is if our will is uh, lessened, we don't have as much freedom. So. Uh, you know, maybe if if you or I were to throw a temper tantrum like a three-year-old does, mm-hmm. it could even be a mortal sin. I mean, if I'm in the middle of a business meeting and I just start hammering my fist and screaming out and pointing my fingers and making attacks, that could be mortal sin. You know, if there's a serious act of hatred that's going on. And, uh, and, and I have the free, you know, I'm an adult that has the freedom to stay not do that. Mm-hmm. But when a three-year-old does it, you know, it's not a mortal sin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And w- so uh, the the lessening of our will, the lack of freedom is is also something that lessens the gravity of the sin so that even though it's grave matter, it's not a mortal sin. Now, another example of that, which is very common, are people who suffer from uh, an addiction to pornography or to masturbation, that there's a real entrenched habit there and even though they're actively working against it, they're doing what they can to not commit that sin, that habit goes deep. And so in the moment that they're drawn into the sin, they don't have full possession of their will. They don't have full freedom. You know, there's a kind of compulsive quality to that. And so that also can diminish the, the culpability, the guilt that someone has for the sin that they commit. So with those understandings, then if we look at it, I mean, the, the call of the gospel to live uh, a good life 
uh, is you know there's some real pitfalls that we can that we can end up in if we're if we're not careful it's yeah it's not just murdering people or committing adultery that are that are grave matter and thus potentially mortal sins uh, a lot of these things in the sexual realm as i mentioned before but also corruption um you know, speeding can be a grave matter if we're really endangering our lives. Just because I didn't kill somebody, but I could have, mm -hmm. depending on how recklessly I was driving and what was going on in me, or the acts of hatred that come out. Sometimes we really indulge some hatred toward people. And Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. That can be serious and even mortal sin to do that. Uh, now, that's different then somebody really hurt me and I have this strong feeling against them and I'm working to diminish that but that feeling is there because I got hurt really badly but if I really indulge that hatred well that's can be mortal sin so anyway the point is that uh, yes things that we aren't necessarily going to be arrested for nobody gets arrested for just for hating um, probably people don't get put in jail even for for that kind of speeding or reckless driving although some things are moving in that direction with drunk driving and things like that. But sure, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I I guess there was a couple of, of thoughts that that came out of that. Is, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you you just get a really big parking fine or speeding fine. You don't necessarily get put in jail unless you were drunk, because that's a different crime compounded upon it. And when you were describing the. Um, the, the porn addiction, as you said before, or the sexual sin addiction, you, you described it almost in a way that most people describe cigarettes. And I never even knew that that was a possibility or a thing. Like, I, I knew obviously you can get addicted to cigarettes, see that all the time, and probably the most obvious one to identify, because you can't really hide going out and physically smoking out back. A, you can smell it on someone. But I mean, you, the, we we probably all have multiple people in our lives who are able to hide other addictions. Um, probably alcohol being the most common, just because you can. And I never thought of of um, the sexual sin nature being in that category. Wow, that's uh, I'm so glad that we're talking because I live in this world so much of uh, of recognizing. You know, sexual sin is addictive that I forget that that hasn't really um, made its way permeated the, 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 the world's the world's thinking yeah I mean uh, so there are groups there are 12-step groups called SA sex sex addicts anonymous anonymous mm -hmm. um, and it, uh, certainly pornography and, and masturbation can be tremendous in fact they're more addictive chemically than anything else they they did some studies with rats that uh, would prefer orgasm over food. They actually starve themselves to death by pushing the orgasm button instead of the food button. Um, it's a tremendously powerful chemical. It's, it uh, contains the chemicals from a lot of other drugs. It sets the... Yeah, so uh, orgasm, sexual interactions are tremendously addictive. And that's, that's part of the design. Uh, the positive side of that is that sex is for bonding. And for babies, and when a married couple has sexual intercourse, there's a whole chemical change that happens in both of their bodies, and they really become configured to each other. It's the, the science of this, the chemistry of it, is amazing, but it's really made for bonding. 
And so when we tap into that very powerful experience, and it's for twisted in twisted ways, either with people that we're not going to bond with. In other words, we're making a bond and breaking a bond, making a bond and breaking a bond. That does all this kind of emotional damage to us. And anybody who's gone through that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, or when we use it for, you know, with, with pornography or masturbation. The, I mean, it just, like, really gets, gets disfigured, disordered in us. And and we, we get addicted to the experience itself, and it starts to do a lot of kind of medicating our stress and um, filling our, you know, our boredom. And, and there are people that get seriously addicted. Uh, a lot of people that get, you know, at least form a, a habit that it becomes a habitual practice. And things that are habitual uh, diminish our freedom. So we do it without thinking. Sometimes we, you know, we habitually drive to work every day. And then we find ourselves getting in the car, and even though it's a Saturday and we're going to go to the supermarket, we find ourselves driving to work, right? That's not intentional. Right. It's not intentional. It's habitual. So if we develop a pattern with some of these other behaviors, which are grave, serious behaviors, serious sins, they can become habitual. So I'm, I'm already going down the process before I even realize that I'm going down the process. And that's not going to have the same gravity as someone who really has freedom and says, I'm going to do this. I know exactly that it's wrong. I know that it's not good for me. I know it's really hurting God. I'm going to do it anyway. So that's what we're talking about. For mortal sin, things like that are the the kind of malice that's necessary to really commit a mortal sin. So in terms of action, um, if you see some of that, or maybe you see that even in yourself in your own life, whether it be this realm of habitual problem or, or otherwise, how how do you address that? You know, I'm figuring that, that you'll have better insight on that than I ever would. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, don't don't uh, discount yourself too quickly. Nor nor should any of our listeners. Uh, you know, we are made for these things. God has a vested interest. He wants us to become saints. He's trying to help us. <laughs> So he really did program into our humanity the insight that we need and the understanding that we need to grow and choose good things and grow in holiness. So uh, you're right, I do reflect on these, and I have a particular role, and I have some graces to carry out that role with people. But anyway, we, we should uh, also learn to trust in the insights that we do have and the, the good draw that we have um, that's planted in us by God. and actively stirred up by the Holy Spirit. With all of these things, the first round is recognizing it. Uh, you know, knowledge is, is half the battle. Um, so recognizing that there's a problem is a key. Recognizing that this just isn't good for us, uh, that we're doing things that need that we need some change in our lives. So recognizing it and then choosing it I want this change. I'm actively, it's one thing to say, and a lot of, you know, we can think, you just mentioned smoking a few moments ago. People say, I know it's not good for me, but, well, uh, okay, I wonder if you even know it's not good for you if you're just saying that because you're, but if you really know, well, so anyway, we can say, I know it's not good for me, but I don't want to change. Okay, so it's a second step to say, I want to change. I want to do this better. I want to quit this habit. And that actually, I guess, leads to a 
a question from that, and then a, a question from, from earlier in the cast was, yeah, I mean, you can recognize it's not good at you, but you can look around in life, and you can see there's a bunch of guys um, who are in their 50s and 80s that are still smoking every day, and, you know, yeah, sure, they're not as healthy as, as some other 82-year-old, but they're still kicking around, and, and you can see that justification that way. Uh, no matter how many times you see someone else with one of those little trochea holes in their throat, that doesn't matter. You see that 82-year-old guy, and you think that you're just as good and special as that. I think that every person has that um, innate feeling that they, they'll be the one who survives everything. I think that that's part of life. Um, so I, I guess I get that thing. You can see, the, but intellectually justify it. But that led me back to thinking of one of the things you said before about the immortal soul eventually tying with um, your body and you'll either be dealing with the glories or the torments forever. And this was just a question. Do you get your own body back? And at like what point in your life do you get it? Like version of your body. Like do you get the 22 year old version when I could run a 4-5 or... Am I going to get the, the part right before I die, and who knows what will be going on? You, you know what I mean? Well, it uh, uh, depends, Joe. You're going to get the 80-year-old body, body back, but I'm getting the 20-year-old version back. Fair enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, that's a, let me respond to that, but I just want to make a comment, too, lest we would leave our listeners with the impression uh, the church does not teach that smoking is a mortal sin. <laughs> okay. So... Just to be clear about that. Now, if if one is uh, endangering or damaging their health, and you know somebody who's got emphysema, continuing to smoke, or you know anyway, um, but smoking in itself is not necessarily. And then we have to distinguish, you know, cigars from pipes and cigarettes, and you know, marijuana is its own problem because it it really limits mental function. Uh, you don't really casually smoke marijuana, you know. So mm -hmm. the destruction of the image and likeness of God by reducing the reason that's in us is uh, is its own. That that is a grave sin. So getting drunk, smoking pot, getting high, those things are grave sins, and so they can be mortal sins. Um, having a cigarette, having a cigar from time to time, smoking a pipe, not necessarily. Again, if it's really uh, I, I would say that a uh, you know a real habitual practice of uh, smoking cigarettes is putting yourself in a lot of danger. But then, my grandmother smoked for 50 years and lived to be 97. So yeah, uh, it's a little hard to make definitive claims about some of these things. Um, but I just want to make that clarification: where uh, the church does not teach, and I'm not going to teach that smoking is a grave sin in itself. Mm -hmm. There may be some other factors to it that make it a, a, a more serious thing, but it's not in itself. In terms of the body that we have, it, it's a kind of fun question because we, you know, we do think in these terms, but uh, I think a, a helpful thought for us is to imagine a fetus in the womb. So when we were in the womb of our mother, could we imagine what our body was going to be like after birth and, you know, when we grow up. It's like incomprehensibly different. 
Is it the same body? Yeah, I have the same body now that I did when I was a three-celled organism. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look the same. And I couldn't have figured out what it was going to look like based on, you know, do I have the body of... It's like the fetus asking, well, when I'm outside of the womb, am I going to have the body of when I was three weeks or when I was eight and a half months, you know, or, well, for briefly you're going to have the one that you had when you were nine months, but it's going to become so much different. And, and the experience is so much different. So when St. Paul says, eye is not seen and ear is not heard, what God has prepared for those who love him, he really means it. And when I think St. John said, uh, we do not know what we will be like, but we do know that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <sighs> what is that like? Yeah. So it's really like a whole order of difference. So, Father, I thank you for giving that analogy about the bodies. It's something that... You know, I'd always thought about uh, going up. I know that growing up, my dad would say, you got to take care of your body because it's going to be the one you're stuck with forever. So don't just keep eating Oreos and all that stuff. Actually go outside, work out, run harder type thing. So I, I definitely thank you for, for enlightening us there. And I also want to thank all the video or all of our listeners out there for subscribing to the cast and listening. We ask that you keep giving us the great reviews that you have been following us on Twitter at Father and Joe and keep retweeting us as we send out our new cast. So we thank you all for joining us on this cast and we thank you all for spreading the word. Have a great week and we will talk to you next week.